Lincoln Financial Field in the city of brotherly love is the next destination as we gear up for week two of Minnesota Vikings football. Welcome inside the TCO Performance Center for the Friday edition of the Minnesota Vikings podcast. My name is Gabe Henderson alongside Vikings.com's Tatum Everett and producer Eric Davison. We got former Vikings linebacker Ben Lieber joining us later in the show. But before we get to him, uh, Tatum, after last week's 23-7 home opening win, over the Green Bay Packers, the energy here inside the TCO Performance Center has been buzzing. Uh, we were talking earlier this week on the Minnesota Vikings podcast about a certain word that's been used a lot by various media outlets to describe this phase we're in right now with the Vikings. And um, that that word is honeymoon phase. Um, I'm OK with the phase as of right now, especially if it lasts the, the next uh, 22 weeks. That means uh, we'll be partying in uh, Glendale, Arizona. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't it be? Well, first of all, I mean, I, I have to give my hats off to Vikings fans and, and the energy that they brought in that season opener. I mean, it was the best game I have ever been to. Uh, it's obvious, I obviously don't have a lot to compare to, but, I, but it's the best game for me as far as Vikings showing up the product on the field, the excitement. It really just felt like everything came together and it was just a very magical weekend. And and I would say honeymoon periods are a magical time. I yeah. think you could go as far as saying that. Uh, but but when you think about it, if you want to make this like long-term comparison, I mean, the honeymoon is like the celebration of coming together, right? Yeah. And then it's about what you do afterwards, the foundation that you build this union on. It's, it's the work that you put into it each and every day to stay together. And so, you know, I'm cool with honeymoon as long as that foundation is there, which, I mean, from my vantage point, feels like it is. Yeah, that foundation was set in mid-February when Kevin O'Connell was announced as the head coach here. And ever since then, there's been this moniker or this shield, I guess it really is a shield, that, that's been around TCO Performance Center that says, our way, our team, our process. And Kevin O'Connell, Quasi Adolfo Mensa, they've set that and they've they've kind of built that honeymoon, well, founded that honeymoon phase on this. And the work has been building and stacking days together to work towards the ultimate goal of making this thing worthwhile. And we've seen it week one last week, and hopefully we can continue this process of figuring things out as um, the journey continues for Minnesota Vikings football. And and it starts Monday night against the Philadelphia Eagles, 7.30 p.m. Central Time kickoff at Lincoln Financial Field. The KFAN pregame show will start at 5.30 p.m. Central Time with Voice of the Vikings, Paul Allen, Ben Lieber, Pete Bursich. There will be a lot going on there, so make sure you guys tune in. Uh, but Tatum, I, I, I want to get to our one big talking point. We, we do this every week. We're going to do this every week as this show continues to progress. And there's so many storylines right now. There's so many storylines heading into every Sunday or Monday night game. And uh, right now, what, what will be your one big talking point heading into the Monday night football matchup against the Philadelphia Eagles. This may sound a little bit elementary, but this game is my eyes are in the trenches this whole entire time. I think obviously it was such a great thing to see the Vikings pass rush being able to affect Aaron Rodgers, but this is a different quarterback and this is a Eagles offensive line who right now is my personal top offensive line in the league. And it's going to be a tough day. Uh, you really can't miss your keys. You can't miss anything like that because four different Eagles players scored rushing touchdowns mm-hmm. on Sunday. So, you know, they they have the they have the weapons on the ground. They added AJ Brown this offseason. 
it's really something that I think is going to be a true test for this defensive front. And then conversely, you've got a defensive front from Philadelphia that I think rivals the Packers. And as long as the offensive line, you know, they kept Kirk clean for the most part. If they can replicate a performance like that, I think that that's where the magic begins, right? Like you need to be able to win the trenches in this one more than anything. Yeah. If you win the trenches, you pretty much win the game. And I think a lot of that is also due to trying to contain Jalen Hurts. If if you don't contain him, winning the trenches doesn't really matter because you, you kind of have to account for him wherever he is on the field, whether he's running the ball or throwing the ball or faking a handoff. You have to know where he is. So that that's my one big talking point. And uh, you made a good point. They had four rushers rush for a touchdown last mm-hmm. week. And that's a lot of confidence for them simply because that's the first time uh, since 1961, they've had four rushers rush for a touchdown in their wow. franchise history. So, knowledge gonna, bombs. Yeah, I, I guess they're going to try to make it five this week, and it's, it's up Shoot, to us. I, well, I hope not. <laughs> right. I certainly hope not. And I, and I do think that that this defensive front, especially with the additions of Harrison Phillips and seeing Dalvin, seeing Dalvin Tomlinson have a great game, we know that Eric Kendricks is playing very free, and he loves to be able to just crunch that guy right at the line of scrimmage. Yeah, so. but I think it's going to take Harrison Phillips and um, for sure Dalvin Tomlinson playing a little different this week. Okay. They're not going to I don't think they're going to be used to rush the quarterback. They're going to be used to contain him and yeah. not let him uh, run in between gaps and holes and I'm sure there's going to be a lot of pressure on him but flipping to the Minnesota Vikings offensive side of the ball, Friday was the day that the coordinators spoke to the media. So Wes Phillips gave his thoughts about the current state of this Minnesota Vikings offense heading into Monday Night Football. Wes, just what were you most happy with? from last week's performance? From the beginning, we said we wanted this offense to be efficient and explosive. And, you know, I think we accomplished that in that first game. And I was I was happy with the plays we were able to make in the past game. And then in the run game, I felt like as the game progressed, our, our guys up front got stronger. We started to, you know, really hit our stride in the run game as well. So uh, just really pleased with the, the way these guys responded. You know, opener against a division opponent, a uh, tough opponent for them to come out and play the way they did and execute it was uh we were very pleased how different was the conversation with kevin in the game compared to how it had been in los angeles uh well you know he's uh he's the head man now he's got a lot lot going on on the sidelines i mean you're keeping track of a lot of things uh switching over the defensive side uh, the offense, people are talking about situations, challenges. So there was certainly a lot more going on for him. But for me, it was it was very similar as far as when he's on our side and just the communication uh, was pretty comfortable. Always great to hear from Minnesota Vikings offensive coordinator Wes Phillips. Uh, coming up after the break, we get to hear from Minnesota Vikings former linebacker Ben Lieber. So don't turn the dial. We'll be right back with more of the Minnesota Vikings podcast presented by Pepsi. Hey, Vikings fans, right now you can pick up a commemorative Vikings Cup at U.S. Bank Stadium. Fill it with an ice-cold Pepsi, and you'll be ready for football watching. Spalon Montage is the Twin Cities' premier salon and spa destination and your proud official hair sponsor of the Minnesota Vikings cheerleaders. With three convenient locations in Edina, Woodbury, and Chanhassen, there is a Spalon close to you. Visit online at spalon.com. 
Welcome back to the Minnesota Vikings podcast presented by Pepsi. My name is Gabe Henderson from the Vikings Entertainment Network alongside Vikings.com's Tatum Everett. And we now have the privilege of welcoming in our guest of the show. Uh, You probably hear this guy about five, six, seven, eight times a week, Um, whether that's Twin Cities Live, KFAN, Fox 9, Vikings.com. Or the Minnesota Vikings podcast. I'm talking about former Vikings linebacker, Mr. Ben Lieber, a friend of the show. What's going on, Ben? Oh, not much, you guys. Just getting amped up and prepped up for this game on Monday night. How you guys doing? Good, yeah. Ben, you are on everything, but somehow we just don't get tired of you. No. No, that's nice. That's yep. nice. <laughs> I'm, feeling, I'm in a good mood this morning. Yeah, I, I guess that kind of explains the honeymoon phase that we are still in here with the Minnesota Vikings team. Uh, ben, would, would you still consider this phase? The honeymoon phase of, you know, happy, fun, a lot of great energy and just not the adversity that, you know, the NFL season has every weekend and week out. You know, I think I think in a normal time, there always is a honeymoon phase. But, you know, let's just play super, super optimistic here. Mm -hmm. Who's to say that honeymoon can't turn into magical? You know, we have these seasons where at the end of the season, you know, teams are like, hey, that was just a magical run. And it was, you know, it was great throughout and maybe a small hiccup here and there but you know, who's to say that this honeymoon phase can't last into week eight week nine you know if this mm-hmm. team is playing well um they they gave all indications to me that they are one unit they've bought in they are executing at a high level and they're playing great defense along with their great offense so who's to say that you know this honeymoon phase which i i would probably put at you know most normal times at the quarter pole you know three of the fourth game but hey let's hope that we can get a, a win in philly and you know get a win and and against detroit and london and and all that stuff and we just keep this thing going yeah it's just kind of funny you bring up the schedule which i think is an interesting point because you know, this Monday night game, the short week before Detroit, then you go across the pond to London. Like, this is a heck of a way to start out the season, the first month of tests and adversity. And, you know, I had one guy reach out to me saying, like, this reminds me of the 98 team. And while I don't think we need to, like, jump to that conclusion after week one, how do you think, Ben, this schedule can maybe affect this team moving forward? Well, I, you know, even looking at the start of the season, it looked like a pretty favorable schedule up until the bye week and then you know you don't know what happens after the bye week sometimes you come out a little sluggish sometimes you come out red hot and on fire but I think you know you know how we all kind of break up the season but I I do think that the schedule is pretty favorable for a new regime and everybody trying to get their feet wet and everything like that and I think that's what is the most encouraging is we expect to be some stumbles here and there but again going back off of last Sunday, everything seems to be firing in all cylinders. And I'm not I'm not looking at this, you know, um, you're completely jaded. You know, I get that the Packers were are really without a true number one wide receiver. Even with Alan Lazard, I personally don't even put him as a number one wide receiver. I think he's like maybe a, a two, you know, three A type of receiver. Um, and then they were missing their two offensive tackles, which I think it would have been a big impact in the game, given the amount of pressure that we were able to get on Aaron Rodgers. So I feel like I'm seeing it clearly, but I think the operation of our team, the way it looked, the way it functioned and executed, I think it was, it was such a high level. You couple that with the schedule, and again, there's no reason why you can't, and I agree with you, Tatum, I don't think it's 98-esque, and I don't think it's 2009 quite yet. 
But why not be happy with what you've seen after one game? Hmm. Well, I'm happy. Yeah, I think I think all <laughs> Vikings fans are happy, especially if you beat the Green Bay Packers week one. Um, I think if you could play the Green Bay Packers the next 17 weeks and beat them the next 17 weeks, why not do that too? But <laughs> I, I don't want to sign right. up for that. That's on you. I'm not doing that. Mm-mm, I'm good. Well, we got the the Philadelphia Eagles uh, this upcoming Monday night, 7:30 p.m. Central Time. And Ben, I want to I want to rewind back to. 2010, before the Minnesota Vikings won at Philly after we lost to them in 2017, the NFC Championship, before that win in 2018, the last time we had beat the Philadelphia Eagles in Philly was 2010 when we won 24-14 to when you were playing for the Minnesota Vikings. What do you remember mm-hmm. about that atmosphere at Lincoln Financial Field, and how do you expect it to be on Monday Night Football this upcoming week? i tell you what, you know, all of us from that 2010 season, we all collected say we could write the most epic book about the Viking season and uh, give a lot of insight to what was fun and just disastrous about that year. And, you know, that was at the time of the year where we had, you know, the dome collapse, all that issue. And then you throw in this, this game was supposed to be a Sunday night game in Philadelphia. They were expecting a gigantic snowstorm. The snowstorm never really came to fruition the way the forecasters thought it was going to. So they postponed the game to Tuesday night. So we end up I think we flew out on Christmas Day, which was a Saturday, I believe. So we're, we're already kind of disgruntled. The season's not going the way we're going. Um, everybody's just kind of kind of just pissed, but just like whatever. We're, we're just kind of like, let's just get the season over with, and we got to deal with more disastrous things here and there. And so we fly out on Christmas Day. Uh, we find out the game is going to get postponed for two days down because they did not want to put it up against Monday Night Football. So we got rip-roaring drunk on Thursday, on a Sunday <laughs> night. Um, you know, it started with uh, just bottles, you know, bottles in my in my hotel room with like, I don't know, 10 or 15 guys. Then we all go out to Chicky and Pete's, um, nearly get into a fight. Uh, actually, one guy did get into a fight on, on a shuttle bus ride back to the hotel. Um, with some other Joe Public people, <laughs> and we go out and we play this game, and come to find out, you know, talking to some of the players on the field, the the Eagles players, they didn't want to be there. They're like, "Oh, this is ridiculous. <laughs> Why are we playing this game?" So we're like, "Man, we have every reason to be disgruntled because we're away from our families and we've been cooped up in this hotel room, and and they didn't want to play." Um, so psychologically we kind of had the game won before they even started. And then I think Antoine Winfield had a, uh, a fumble recovery or a pick six or something like that yeah. early in the game. And then, and then it just cascaded. We just kept the momentum the whole time. Nothing that they did ever worked. And so we walk away from that game with an, an epic experience of winning the football game, given the fact that we were stuck in a hotel room and still outperformed them. This is going to be one of the stories lines that we're following this week is it's what's going on in the trenches for this game. The Eagles are stacked on both sides of the ball. They may be one of the best offensive lines out of week one. What do you think, Ben? I mean, I know that, you know, the Green Bay Packers line wasn't really at the level, the highest level that they're used to when our our defense faced them. What are your expectations heading into this one? Uh, I'm I'm with you. This is a really, really impressive offense. Line. They're they're big. They're they're very athletic. They move very well. Um, Mylotta is a ginormous man, mm. and he he moves pretty well. Um, although you know, I do think that he is susceptible to you know a speed rush on the outside, and I don't think that he has the best hand punch in the league. 
Um, so I think that we can we could take advantage of some some aspects there. But collectively, they're really big and they do a great job of using their size to get angles and just get the edges. And with that little zone read that they have, it, it doesn't take much for you to get a little bit out of gap, to expose a little bit of a daylight. And, you know, they're going to either hand it off or keep it. And, and Jalen Hurt uh, does a great job of running the football. Miles Sanders, I think, has a lot of bounce to his game. He, he shows that he can break some tackles. And, um, you know, it's, it is going to be, I think, the biggest test for them on the ground the whole season. Speaking of uh, Jalen Hurts, back when we were talking about your time playing against the Philadelphia Eagles and uh, game planning for that, there was a there was a quarterback that you guys had the game plan for. His name was Michael Vick. He was the starting quarterback for the, for the Philadelphia Eagles then. And uh, fast forward to how the game has transcended today with a bunch of running quarterbacks like Jalen Hurts or Kyler Murray or the guy that he gets a huge comparison for, Lamar Jackson. When game planning for Jalen Hurts do you game plan for him similar to how you would game plan for him, like Kyle Murray or Lamar Jackson? I would probably say, uh, well, it's different because I don't, I don't view Kyler and Lamar as true zone read type of quarterbacks. I mean, I think Jalen really is more of a. You know he's amplified that that college look. I think Lamar runs when he needs to run, and he can scramble. And I think Kyler is one of the best scramblers in the league. I think there's more intention in the run game with Jalen Hurts. So I think it is different. I mean, you know, you don't see a lot of that zone read. You don't see a lot of the, the end man on line scrimmage being exposed as much as they, as they are. You've got to be really, really strategic about when you call man defense because it's not like you can play zone defense the whole time. There's only so many exotic zones that you can play and play them well. You're going to have to at times play zone defense. And, you know, you look at the last game that they had against the Lions, and it seems like every time that the Lions decided to play man defense, they got killed. You know, it's like they whether or not they didn't get to the quarterback and he would scramble and make a play, or they called the right zone read at the time. But you've got a lot of guys, a lot of defenders turning their backs to the quarterback and chasing after their responsibility, and there goes Jalen running the, run the football. So it, it is going to be a challenge to see how we read the mesh, um, how the linebackers specifically and the guys in the middle of the defense you can't attack downhill. You just got you got to be really, really patient because you have to be comfortable giving up three or four yards to the running back versus 40 on the quarterback if you collapse too quickly and you get too aggressive hitting your gaps. Ben, you were on the sidelines during the game, obviously, for the Packers, the Packers game, the season opener. And I know there's been a lot to be made about the confidence, the change in attitude, the feeling on the sideline. I really want to kind of take a step back and get into what you observed when you were there. And obviously, hopefully that carries into Philly this week. But but how was it different, maybe, the sideline was than in years past? I, I felt like there was a lot more open communication. Um, you know, I, if I remember right from the... You know, from the years past, it's they've very much got into this mode of they get done off the field, whether it's offense or defense, they go right to their spots, which they normally do, and they would just sit there. And they'd go through with their position coaches some adjustments, but there wasn't a lot of, like, intermixing. You know, every once in a while you would see Kirk go over and maybe, you know, talk to the offensive line, but it was, like, just kind of a quick deal. Much more just – it just felt more – tense and more regimented and I think the game on Sunday there was a lot more intermingling you know you know whether it's Kirk going to talk to receivers re- receivers going to talk to somebody else uh, offensive linemen sort of like you know having communication with other people it just seemed like I said looser 
And and I wouldn't say looser in a gentle way. It's just like they had more freedom to just like go and have a dialogue, go have a conversation, put your arm around somebody, you know, talk about the, the past play and what they're going to do uh, on the next play. Defense was they seem to be much more energetic. And I, I think that does come from the leadership of their coaches. You know, a lot of the, of the defensive coaches are high energy guys. And so they keep the defensive guys, you know, throughout the whole game sort of amped up because as much as you're professional and you should be self-motivated, there are times where you have a bad play and you get kind of mopey and you got your head down, but the coaches are there to kind of pump you back up, uh, get your, get your mind right and, and get you excited to go out there and play again. So I just think the, the whole vibe was much more positive, much more energetic. How does that produce results? I think it makes you excited. I think anytime you bring excitement into whatever you're doing, I think you're going to, the odds of you having better success go way up. It's the same thing with the course of practice and the course of preparation. You know, I, I know you guys have fielded this question a lot, and I fielded this question a lot. Just like, why does it matter if you have one coach versus another during the course of the week, and how does it make a difference? And I just think if you're excited about showing up to work, you're going to put better work in. You're going to get better results. And so I think the same thing can be said for game day. And I remember Kevin O'Connell saying earlier this week when Zadarius had that fourth down stop, when the defense made that fourth down stop, you saw many guys on the offensive side of the ball running on the field, dapping up some of those guys. Or when Justin Jefferson scored, the defensive side of the ball was on the field congratulating the offensive guys. How do you feel that will translate to this upcoming Monday night football to, to hopefully get a win in Philly? Well, I just think that, you know, everybody pulling for each other is that's exciting. You know, it's not, I think sometimes with some coaching staffs, you have this offense versus defense and vice versa. And then on Sundays, they're like, oh, no, 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 now we got to be a team. But if you build a culture the whole time through the off season and through practices, they're like, oh, it's, it, you know, one side versus the other. And you kind of have this divided locker room sometimes it can be a bad tone that you're setting but if you're always preaching collectively we're in this together and in the spirit of competition yes you you know we want to win a drill or whatever we want to outshine you that's fine but if the underlying tone is like hey we're doing this as a team to get better and we got to be happy for each other that's what excites me because look i'll even share the story and i think I've, sh- I've shared this publicly you know we're in that preseason game in denver and ryan Right puts the ball up against the sideline. I'm not talking about the one that he kicked down to the two-yard line. He's going the opposite direction. He directly punted to the left. I just got done with an interview with Harrison Smith, and we're watching this play on special teams, and Eric Kendricks comes over to Harrison. He's like, hey, man, how about our boy? He's like, that dude can kick. And it's like there was general excitement in his face that he – wants to talk about a punter, you know, a rookie punter. <laughs> yeah, you know, I love like, that. Here's a, here's, a, here's a leader of the team talking to another leader of the team, getting excited about a rookie punter. That I think that's special, you know. In, in other hierarchies and other teams, you don't even care about the rookie punter, you know, but, but these guys do. The little things matter, especially when it's a game that, that requires all three phases of the ball. Uh, to be on point. Ben, I appreciate everything that you've provided to this show tonight. So uh, we'll see you Monday night, Ben. All right. Thanks, guys. Go back. See you, man. Appreciate you. 